wonderful to be in the Lord's house tonight and good to see each of you that have come to share with us in the service. And I trust that you've had a good restful day and uh, just uh, take some time to come to worship the Lord tonight. It's a great place to be on Sunday night. I remember several years ago, we had what we call uh, Sunday night is the place or something like that. You remember that Sunday night place? The place to be on Sunday nights in church, in other words, is what it was about. And uh, we've kind of forgotten those promotional times and let them slide by. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to John chapter 11. I just want to uh, read a portion of scripture there and take a, a phrase and use it to share a message with us tonight. This is the passage of scripture concerning uh, Mary and Martha and Jesus and Lazarus. Would you stand with us out of reverence to the word of God and we're just going to read verse 28. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to be in your house tonight. Thank you for your love and your mercy that you've so abundantly bestowed upon us. Father, we thank you for the wonderful songs about the cross and the blood tonight. And Father, we pray that this might be a service that will bring glory and honor and praise to you. We pray, Lord, if there's one here among us that's lost, that this would be the time that they'll be saved. Or if one is listening, Lord, we just pray that, Father, you'd somehow, some way touch their hearts. We pray tonight, Lord, that you'll comfort those who have given up loved ones recently and just help them, Father. We pray for those that are sick, and we know that we have many folks who are still sick, and we pray your blessings on them. Pray especially, Lord, tonight for Brother Kenneth Stone, and just ask your blessings upon him, and Lord, just touch his body and bring healing to him, and thank you for loving us. Thank you for the wonderful music that we've had tonight, and we just pray that this has been praise to you and that it's blessed your heart as it's blessed ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Several years ago, someone gave me a, a cassette tape of a message that was preached by uh, Brother J.W. Newman. Uh, Preacher Newman was well known in the Madisonville area. For many, many years, he pastored several churches there, did a lot of evangelistic work. And he preached on this subject, hearing the master's call. And he took it out of this verse of scripture. And I don't remember exactly how he preached it. I remember I listened to it. I don't know whatever happened to the tape. I probably still got it somewhere stored back in a box that hadn't been opened in 20 years. but. Uh, it's based in this passage of scripture here, and I, I won't try to preach it like he did, but as, as the Lord wants me to preach it. These words were spoken uh, to one of the friends of Jesus whose brother had died. When Mary heard these words, she arose quickly, the Bible says, and went to meet with Jesus. 
Jesus spoke words of comfort and strength to her. And then he called her brother back from the dead. And I'd just like to think about this, this little thing here of hearing the master's call. And in studying the scriptures, I find that there's four distinct calls that come to people from God. Four different distinct calls. We want to touch on these tonight. And somebody might say, well, what is a call from God? Well, that's, that's hard to define. But let me see if I can define it. It's a time in our life when God speaks to us in such a way that we can't deny it's God. And he speaks with such clarity that we know what he's asking of us. And if we will listen to him and obey him, he'll bring things to pass in our life. We're going to look first of all at the call to salvation. And we'll, we'll pick up other passages of scripture as we go through this tonight. If you'd like to just jot down some notes on it. How does the call to salvation come? Well, first of all, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace through faith are we saved. God issues grace to us, and grace means an unmerited favor. It's something that we could never deserve. We could never earn. Something we could never manufacture. It only comes one way, and that's a free gift from God. And he gives it to us, but we must by faith accept that gift. Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more that we hear the word of God, the more we study the word of God, the more clearly we'll be able to hear God's call. Some people hear that call for salvation as, as children. I don't put age limits on what God can do and how God can touch someone's life. Other people don't hear it clearly until they get to be teenagers or others, maybe even young adults or even in some cases, some old people that they've never really heard that call from God, that they've never really felt God tugging on their heart and bringing them to that place where they become convicted of their sins. Well, how does that happen? What does conviction mean? Well, it means that God comes and touches our heart and God makes us aware of some things that's going on in our life and he, he gets it into our heart and into our mind in such a way that we understand what God is saying to us. In John chapter 16 verses 7 through 11, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, now nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. This Comforter is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to die, that he had to go back to the Father. But when he went back to the Father, then he's going to send another Comforter. That Comforter is the Holy Spirit. And notice what that Comforter does in verses 8 through 11. He says, and when he, the Comforter, is come... He will reprove or convict or convince the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's his main purpose in, in life is bringing that conviction to the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls. And again, he does it through the word of God. He brings conviction about sin. He makes us aware when we've sinned against God. He makes us aware sometime or other in our life we become aware of the fact that we are a sinful person. I know that there's some denominations that they baptize babies and those kind of things. And I, I, I lost a good family out of one of the churches that I pastored because I wouldn't baptize their baby. They'd been raised in a different denomination, you know, but they liked our church and the man and wife got saved and the older child got saved and I baptized them, but they wanted me to baptize the baby. And I said, we don't believe in that. There's no place in the Bible where, where you ever find anyone being baptized except they'd first confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Well, they got mad and they said, well, we'll get him baptized. And they did. They left and went to another church that didn't mind doing that. But, you know, that's one of those things that happens when you stand on the Word of God. Sometimes it, it doesn't fit everybody's way of thinking. But the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. But not only does He convict us of sin, He convicts us of righteousness. Notice what it says, of sin because they believe not on me. People that do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He's convicting them of sin. Helping them to be aware of the fact that they are sinners. You ask most anybody if they are a sinner. And they'll say, well, yes, I've sinned. I, I was, had a fellow come to church one, one night and in the middle of the week, Wednesday night. And he'd never been to that church that I knew of. His wife and daughter were faithful members there. But he came on a Wednesday night and we were just having Bible study and he raised his hand and I said, yes, uh, Dwayne. He said, uh, I want to join this church. And I said, uh, can I come to your house after the service and talk to you tonight? And he said, yeah, he, was, he lived two doors down from me. So I took Francis and Tim home and went on down to their house and I took my Bible in and I said, now Dwayne, let's sit down here at the kitchen table and let's, let's talk. And we sat there and we started talking and I, I said, uh, now you, you said you wanted to join the church. Have you ever been saved? He said, no, I don't need to be saved. And I said, well, we need to talk about that. And I, I said, can I take the Bible and share with you out of the Bible how how you can come to know Jesus. And he said, well, yes. Well, I, I started in Romans 3.23. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, not me. And I said, well, where are you coming from, Dwayne? He said, my mother said I was the best child she had and that I never did anything wrong. And I said, well, the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I said, that means every one of us. Not me. Well, I turned over to 1 John and had him start reading there in, in 1 John chapter 1 where it talks about the, we're all sinners and, you know, we, we've all sinned. 
If we say we have no sin, that we're calling God a liar. And he looked at me and he said, Preacher, are you calling me a liar? I said, No, but according to what the Scripture says, you're calling God a liar. I said, You say you don't sin, and the Bible says you do. He just dropped his head. He sat there probably five minutes, didn't say a word. And all at once I saw tears begin to trickle out of his eyes. And he looked up at me and he said, Brother Clayton, you're right. I've sinned. And I said, now you can get saved. <laughs> and I just shared with him simply how he could trust Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he got saved right there in his kitchen. I baptized him on Easter Sunday. He wanted to be baptized on Easter. And I'm telling you what, he became one of those that literally devoured the Word of God. He, he is retired, and he could spend hours, and he'd just stay all day in his Bible reading. And, and uh, he said, there's any other things that I can get to read along with the Bible? He says, I like history real well. And I said, well, yeah, uh, that... Uh, Hebrew historian, what was his name? Wrote a book about that thick. And Josephus, you're right. I recommended that, and he went and bought one, and he read that whole book. Man, he could tell you anything and everything about the Jews. But, you see, he had to come to realize that he was a sinner. It's hard for us to realize that, and the Holy Spirit had to do that. And I, I think that fact that when he read that he was calling God a liar. I think the Holy Spirit really used that in his life to convict him of his sin. And he says, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit does three things. It, he convinces us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, that he's the only righteous one. He's the righteousness. And he said, I go to my father and you see me no more. Now those men that had walked and talked with him, they could see him every day. They knew what kind of life he lived. But he said, I'm going back to the father. I won't be here. People can't see me in person, but the Holy Spirit will come and he'll convince them of my righteousness. We must understand the righteousness of Christ. He's the only one that ever walked on the face of this earth that never did sin. He's the only righteous one. And of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. And he's speaking about Satan there. Satan's already judged now. But the Holy Spirit has to convince us and convict us of that. That we too will stand before God. That we too will be judged. Well, that's the Holy Spirit's job. A lot of times I think we try to convict people. But that's a mistake. Let's just take the Word of God. and let, let the Word of God speak and do its work. And then there's that invitation that comes from the Lord. In John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. If the Holy Spirit of God is not drawing on a person's heart and we push them into a profession of faith, we're not doing them any favors. Jesus said, no man, and I'll add no woman, no boy, no girl, 
No one can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. There's a drawing power from God that draws people to Jesus Christ. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. There's that drawing power of God that comes and works in their life. And you say, how do you explain it? I can't explain it. I just know that when God is drawing upon your heart, He makes Himself known to you. You'll understand who it is and what's happening when He's drawing upon your heart. And when we get that call for salvation, and we surrender our life to Jesus and trust Him as our Lord and Savior, then there will come another call. A call to serve the Lord. We, we've been talking about that a lot in, in this return to me. To serve the Lord. Jesus told his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. One of the things that, that the Lord wants us to serve him in is telling other people about Jesus Christ. Of being a witness that's one of the greatest things that anybody can ever do is to simply share with other people what the Lord has done and is doing in your life. I was driving down here tonight and a man walking along the highway up about Walpaca there and Holy Spirit said, just offer him a ride. I just rolled the window down and pulled right up beside him and said, sir, would you like a ride? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm going down to Food City if you're going that far. I said, I'm going right by there. He got in the car and he looked over at me and said, you just coming from church? And I said, no, I'm just going to church. And I began to talk and shared with him about the church here. I said, are you saved? He said, yeah, I've been saved. He says, I haven't been in church in about 20 years. He said, where is that church located? And I told him. He said, oh, yeah, I used to live on Pennsylvania Avenue. He said, I, I know right where it's at. I stopped and let him out there at Food City. He said, I'll, I'll be seeing you for long. So I've I forgotten his name, but God knows who he is. I'm the world's worst at remembering names. But... Just, just a few little words there. And you know what? When you tell somebody about Jesus and what he's done in their life, they may forget your name. They may forget what you look like. But they'll remember what you tell them about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will make sure of that. The witness, there's that call to serve the Lord. We, we sing a song sometimes, Serve the Lord with Gladness. And oh, what a joy it is to, to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not, not only in witnessing, but we can, we can serve Him in our prayer lives. And I, I thank God for this ladies' class that they've started a prayer time each, each day at 8 o'clock in the morning in their homes. They're doing it, talking to the Lord all at the same time. Several of them testified in class this morning about how it's changing their life. And it will. 
When we begin to pray and communicate with God, God begins to give us instructions then, and God begins to bless us, and God begins to use us. But there's something else that'll happen too. The devil will jump up and holler, boo. <laughs> he don't like us praying. But things like that, uh, witnessing, praying, singing, preaching, going on mission trips, there's lots and lots of ways that we can serve the Lord. Sister Glenna read uh, something, that I believe she said it took place here in 2004 when Alan Bates was here. That they were having a session one day where people were sharing their dreams of how they, they'd like to, God to use them. And she shared several of those things that she had written down. How that back in 2004, 18 years ago, how that people were dreaming about going on mission trips and doing those kind of things. And a lot of it came to pass. And it's good to, to share our dreams. It's good to, to, to know those things, that, that other people are involved in things like that too. Not only to serve the Lord, but to serve the church. Faithful attendance. Don't you just love those who are faithful, that they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever you have a meal or whatever. There's some people that are faithful. There's others that are not so faithful. They're pretty faithful to Sunday morning, but they hardly ever make it Sunday night or Wednesday night. There's others that are only, only come on special occasions. But we must, we must love them all, and we must try to get them all involved in working for the Lord. Having something to do, something that, that you can do for the Lord is something that is, is wonderful. There's things like giving. And this is a, a, a good giving church. I, I praise the Lord for your generosity and how you, how you give generously to the Lord's work. And God has blessed you for, with that down through the years. And He'll continue to bless you with that. And I'll tell you, one of the quickest ways that I know of to be blessed is to bring your tithes every week. To God's storehouse. Somebody say, what's a tithe? Ten percent. Ten percent. God asks us to do that. Back in Malachi, God condemned His people because they were robbing Him of His tithes. He said, would a man rob God? And they said, well, wherein have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and in offerings. And that, then the next verse he talks about returning to me and I'll return unto you. This study that we're doing comes right out of that same chapter. They'd gone away from God. God's saying, come on back and I'll come back to you. Things like our giving, our teaching, singing, whatever. However, God has equipped you. And he's equipped every one of us that are saved. He, he equips us to, to serve Him in some way. Serve the community. The community only knows, about, only knows about the church as we go out there and make it known to them. Jesus knew that people weren't going to automatically 
just come to church. That's why he told us to go into all the world. That's why he told us, get out of the buildings. Go, go wherever people's at. And as you're going, be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking this afternoon about that little passage of scripture over there in Acts where there was a lady by the name of Dorcas. You remember what Dorcas did? She made clothes. She was a seamstress. And God used her. And oh, when she got sick and died, they sent for Peter to come. And God miraculously raised her from the dead. Her work was important. So there's the call to salvation. The call to service. There's a call to rest. And we often call this death. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Someone asked Billy Graham several years ago. Said, Dr. Graham, during things like World War II, does the death rate go up? He said, no. The death rate stays the same. It's always been 100%. Think about that. Every one of us die. But there's that call. David talked about it in, in Psalms 55, verses 4 through 6. He said, my heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are falling upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. David was longing to go be with the Lord. He was struggling with it. And he said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away. That old red back church hymnal that's put out by the Church of God that's in most of the Baptist churches in this part of the country, 333 is I'll Fly Away. There's a lot of churches that won't sing that song. I heard one preacher say there ain't a word of that in the Bible. Well, I just pointed out, for then would I fly away. It is in the Bible. Maybe not everything that's in that song is, but the words I'll fly away is in there. But David was longing to be with the Lord. He said, then I'll be at rest. I had a funeral yesterday afternoon of my wife's best friend. I've known her for over 50 years. As a matter of fact, when she was just a girl, my wife babysat with her and her younger brother. Later on, my wife babysit her son when she had a son. And her and Francis have stayed very close down through the years. And they asked me to do her funeral. And I shared with them, I said, about her and Francis. I said, nine times out of ten, when the phone rang, I'd look at the caller ID on it, and I'd say, it's Coletta. And Francis knew to get the phone. It wasn't for me, it was for her. <laughs> but they talked back and forth like that. You need to pray for Frances. She's taking it very hard. I, I've gone through 
uh, death with her and her mother and dad and her brother and other people, but I don't think any of them's hit them as hard as this one has. But she died with COVID uh, Wednesday. This, this call to rest, David desired it. And it's for the weary. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brother Chris is telling me this morning that his dad is saying he's wanting to go home. And that happens in people's lives down toward the end of it. They get anxious to go home to be with the Lord. Revelation 14, 13 says, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their works, from their labors, and their works do follow them. That book of Revelation. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Blessed means extremely happy. Extremely happy are they who die in the Lord. Now if we reverse that, and those that are not in the Lord and they die, oh how tragic that is. Very, very tragic. How awful, as a matter of fact. And the fourth one is yet to come. That's the call to resurrection. We can go back there into John chapter 11. Mary and Martha had come out to meet with Jesus. Martha came out first and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. And she went running back in the house and told Martha, or Mary, said, the master has come and he's calling for you. That little verse that we read. Mary goes out to meet Jesus. She says the very same words. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. See, they both knew Jesus could help the sick. They'd saw him heal sick people. He had even raised a couple from the dead before this. Jairus' daughter, a little girl, 12 years old, he'd raised her from the dead. The widow of Nain's son, he'd raised him from the dead. And Jesus groaned in his spirit. And he said, where have you laid him? And they all make a trip out to the cemetery. Go out to that tomb that Lazarus was buried in. And incidentally, I've been in that tomb. It's still there. It's right beside the road that goes down to Jericho from Jerusalem. They go down to that tomb. And Jesus said, 
roll the stone away. Martha said, Lord, he's been dead four days, but this time he's stinking. And Jesus said, didn't I say unto you that if you'd believe that you would see the glory of God? And they rolled that stone away. And the Bible says, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus called Lazarus back from the dead. Now I assume that Lazarus had to die again. I don't know. Unless somehow, some way, the Lord took him on to heaven after a while. But as far as we know, he called him back to life and he, he continued to live here. Paul talks about the gospel over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. And he, he talked about the resurrection of Jesus. He says, By, uh, For I delivered unto you first of all that which also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus arose from the dead. Four times Jesus entered into the realm of death and four times overcame it. Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nain's son, Lazarus, and then Jesus himself lay in the grave for three days and three nights. Mary goes out to that tomb on Easter Sunday morning. She's going to anoint the body of Jesus. They hadn't had the time to do it on the day he died. And she goes, she's wondering, who'll roll that stone away so I can get in? And she gets there. And much to her amazement, the stone was rolled away. And there were two angels seated there beside that tomb. And she looks in. And she sees that Jesus is not there. And those angels said, go tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. She runs and tells them. They can't hardly believe what she's saying. Peter and John go back to that grave there, that tomb. Peter looks in. But John said he went in. And he went in and he looked around. And there on that shelf where the body of Jesus had laid, there was his grave clothes. And John tells us something that none of the others does. That the napkin that was over his face was folded and laid over by itself. And I've wondered what that meant. I heard a fellow 
telling this one day, and I, I'll just share it with you as information that came from somebody else. I've never found it in the Bible or in any of the literature about the Bible. But he talked about there was a custom there in Israel that when the master sat at the table and ate, that when he was finished, he would wad his napkin up and just throw it down on the table. And that told the servants that he was finished. But if he folded that napkin and laid it down, it sent the message to the servants, I've left the table, but I'll be back. Now you think about that. That leaves us the message Jesus says, I've left this tomb, but I'll be back. Not into the tomb, but I'll be back. The disciples saw him later that day. And he met with them on several occasions during those days that he was here on earth. And then he ascended back to heaven. But he's coming back. He's coming back. And here's where you and I We'll hear the call. John chapter 5 and verses 25, 28, and 29 says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now that says several things to us. Jesus said the hour is coming. And it now is. It's imminent. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. You see there's a call coming. Get up. He says, marvel not at this. For the hour is coming which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. I was standing with a deacon in a cemetery up in Madisonville one day. And we were just talking. He said, Brother Clayton, he said, I'd like to be standing out here when Jesus comes. And I said, well, Brother Kenneth, why? He said, I'd like to see them old saints get up out of the ground. And he says, I'll be right behind them, going up to be with the Lord. I had never thought of that. I shared that yesterday at that funeral. We were standing in... Sweetwater Memory Gardens. I remember when that was a cow pasture in the hay field. Now it's got a lot, a lot of bodies planted in it. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. Now there's a separation here. Look at this. They that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. There's two resurrections. And my Bible teaches me that there will be a thousand years difference in them. 
they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. Somebody's going to say, well, you know, I'm a good person. I must be going to be in that one. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. Hmm. That shoots that down, don't it? They that are good. No. They're good only because they've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it says, they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. And again, people will say, well, I'm not evil. I don't do evil things. The most evil thing that any person can ever do is to reject God's Son. You reject Him. That's the most evil thing you can do. You might say, well, I, I haven't rejected Him, but I, I've heard His call a few times and I haven't responded. That's rejection. But He's still calling. He still wants you to come. He still wants you to trust Him as Lord and Savior. And God may be speaking to somebody's heart here tonight or somebody that's listening out there over radio or Facebook. If the Lord is touching your heart and He's speaking to you and, and you understand that you're lost, know this, that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. He's paid your sin debt. He asked you to come and repent of your sins and simply place your faith and your trust in His Son, Jesus Christ the risen Lord. Trust Him. He'll do the saving. We'd be happy to pray with you. We'd be happy to help you in any way if we possibly can. But I've never saved one soul. But I've seen Jesus save some. He's the only Savior. He's the only one we ever need. He's the one that's calling tonight. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father, we don't know who you're speaking to tonight. We don't know how you're speaking to people, but you know and they know. Father, there may be some here tonight for those that are out there listening by means of radio or Facebook that you're speaking to their heart. And Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will just Give them the guidance that they need, that they will just come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Just bow down before you, their Lord, wherever they're at. Confess to you that they're a sinner and turn from that sin and call upon your name, asking you to save them. And Lord, I pray tonight for others that you're calling that are already saved, but they, they're not serving like you want them to. And Lord, you've, you may have touched a chord in their heart tonight and just said, this is what I want you to do. I remember when you called me to preach, about scared me to death. I'd have rather done anything than to preach. But Lord, once, once I surrendered to your call, I'd rather preach than do anything else. Father, I pray that you'll just bless. Maybe some listening out there tonight that you're calling them home to rest. And Lord, one day, the trumpet's going to sound. 
The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Father, we're looking forward to that time. I believe it's getting closer every day. And Lord, we sure want to hear that call and we sure want to be with you. And you've promised us we will. Thank you, Lord, for what you do and who you are. In Jesus' name we pray.